What's up, church? How are you guys doing this morning? All right, good, good, good. Uh, last week, AJ kicked off our new series called Christian Atheist. And uh, the fact is that most of us, probably in this room, I'm assuming, uh, most of us, we claim to be a Christian. Okay, that doesn't necessarily mean we are truly a Christian or not, just because we say it, but we claim that to be a Christian. Uh, but in certain areas of our life, we actually live like an atheist. Right? We claim to be a Christian, but we act like the world around us. And many of us, we trust, uh, you know, we claim to have trust in God and we claim to have faith in God. And we're like, yeah, 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 you know, I gave control of my life over to God and, you know, I did this and I did that. But fear actually controls us. And it's interesting because the most commanded command in the entire Bible is some version of do not fear or don't be afraid. And it's interesting, like, why do you think God reminds us not to be afraid so much? Because we're afraid, right? Because it's a thing. It's something that we struggle with. It's an issue within our lives. It's the reason why you have to keep telling your kids to eat their food, because not, you know, there's naturally foods that they are not going to want to eat. Usually it's the healthy stuff, and you have to tell them over and over and over again to eat their food. Like every day, we got Kate and I, we have to tell our, our kids, you go brush your teeth, because they're not going to automatically go brush their teeth. At least our kids don't. Maybe your kids are super kids and they can they do that. Um, but, uh, but they're just not automatically going to do that. And so we have to remind them every day. It's like, hey, go do this. Hey, you need to do this. You need to do this. It's the same thing with us and fear, right? We all have fear in our life. We struggle with this. Whether we want to admit that or not, whether we, you know, whether we hide that well or not, it doesn't really matter. And God over and over and over and over again is saying, hey, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to have fear. You don't have to live like that. I mean, think about all the things that we're afraid of. Uh, when I was in high school, I had one of my, my, my best friend, he lived on a farm, which was awesome. And uh, on that farm, he had this big pond. And what my friend and his brothers did was they, there's this huge tree that just a few yards away from the pond. And they put a zip line, right, homemade zip line from the top of that tree all the way across the pond, so you could go zip line across the farm, and then you can let go into the pond, okay? So we all understand that, and uh, just a fun thing to do. So uh, one day, we're all there, my friend's there, um, and there's just a bunch of us guys there, and uh, a few of the guys are zip lining off onto, you know, off the zip line into the pond and stuff like that, and it's like super high in this tree, and, I, you know, I was like, they're kind of pressuring me. Hey, you should do this. Go try. Oh, come on, come on. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'm a man, even though I was a kid, right? I'm like, I'll do this. And so I start climbing the ladder. And the way it worked was we had an extension ladder to the first section of the tree, okay? So this is way high up there, big old tree. And so I climbed up the extension ladder all the way to the top of that. And then the tree kind of turned into a Y, and I stood in that space. And then there was another ladder from that 
all the way up to where the zip line was on another giant branch. And so I climb up that second ladder, and I get up there, and I remember looking down, and I'm just like, dude, this is not safe. You know, I'm like, this is really high, way higher than it looked like from the ground. And I got, they, they brought the, you know, the zip line, the handle back, and I'm like holding on to it. And they're like, you know, they're chattering on the, on the ground, like, oh, are you scared? You know, just all that stuff. I'm like, no, yeah. You know, I'm looking at this thing. And then I'm like, I'm like pulling on it, you know, to test its it's strength, and it, it's a zip line, so it, it moves, like, and it's a homemade one made by a bunch of high schoolers, so it's like, it moves a lot, and, uh, and I remember looking at the other end, the other end, they just, we just put in, like, three T-posts into the ground and tied the, um, tied the, the cable to that, and, uh, and then after a few people went down, the T-posts started kind of bending in, because there was a lot of weight, and so then we, like, pushed it, and we stuck in, like, anything we could find, like, in that hole, it was, like, Baseball bats in there, just all kinds, rocks, all kinds of stuff is like in there. And I'm thinking of that as I'm up there, and I'm like, dude, that's probably not going to hold much longer. I don't know if this, I, you know, this is definitely not safe, but I should just do it. I'll probably make it over the ground, and if I fall in the pond, that's good. And, uh, and I'm up there, and then one of my buddies comes up, and he's like, he's like, you know, right behind me. He's like, come on, you got to go, go, go. And then he's like kind of pushed on my back a little bit, and I'm like, you know, I'm like, no. I'm like grabbing onto a branch, and I... Admit to you, I climbed down that ladder that day. And, I was, and that's like one of my biggest regrets in high school, for sure. I'm like, man, why did I climb down that ladder? And it's not a year goes by that one of the guys that were there will mention to me, like, hey, oh, hey, we'll run into each other or whatever. He's like, hey, remember the time that you climbed down? It's a walk of shame, man. It's so embarrassing. Just yesterday, Someone brought it up to me in front of my wife, Kate, and she's like, what? I hadn't heard that story. And I'm like, oh, great. You know, there's a lot of things that we're afraid of, but actually, stuff like that, that's not actually what I want to talk about this morning. I'm not talking about fear of heights or fear of spiders or snakes or whatever it might be in your life. Um, what I'm talking about is like the real things, like the fear of losing your job, right, or the fear of divorce or maybe losing a relationship, or maybe you fear for your kids, or maybe it's financial issues, or maybe it's some health issue or sickness, or words like cancer have entered your life, or maybe it's fear of embarrassment, or maybe you're a college kid and you're just, you know, or, or a student and you're worried about your grades, or maybe it's the state of our country or politics or the world, or maybe it's just like death. You know, you're just afraid to die and you're afraid of death and you don't know what that's going to look like. And all those things that I've just mentioned all right, are all examples of real things that we are afraid of that's like within us and all those things revolve around our circumstances. It's the things that we actually spend time thinking about. It's the things that we worry about and it's the things that we are anxious about. And God tells us over and over and over and over again, saying, hey, you don't have to fear your circumstances. And by the way, it's not just you don't have to fear your circumstances. It's God tells us, actually, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're not allowed to fear your circumstances. And I think there's no better example um, than the story that we're going to look at today. One time, Jesus, he's... Uh, he's with his disciples, and Jesus, when he was doing his ministry, which was only for about three years, I mean, he, he would just basically walk around and teach people, and everybody would flock to him. And so on this particular day, it's been a long day, Jesus has been teaching all day. He actually was teaching along the shores of this big old lake called the Sea of Galilee in, uh, in Israel. And um, 
as he's teaching there, the crowds are just like gathering from all over. The Bible tells us that people were coming from all the towns around to hear Jesus, which was a common occurrence when Jesus was out doing his thing because everybody wanted to see what Jesus was going to do next and everybody wanted to hear what Jesus was going to say because Jesus was doing things that they had never seen before and Jesus was saying things that no one had ever said before. And so everybody comes around just out of curiosity's sake, really, and they want to hear what Jesus has to say. And the crowds are kind of pushing against him and he's up against the back, he's like, up against the lake right on the shore. And so what Jesus does is he gets with his disciples and he says, hey, let's jump in a boat. We'll, we'll go out a little bit and I'll be able to sit down and I could teach from the boat and everybody else, I'm guessing, kind of sat along the shore. And so what's, that's what they do. And Jesus teaches them like all day. Okay, all day. He's, he's talking to them. He's teaching them all kinds of stuff. And, uh, and in the evening, Jesus, he says to his disciples, actually, this is what he says in Mark chapter 4. He says, when evening comes, all right, starting to get dark, he says, hey, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. All right? And so they left the crowd. And they took him along since he was in the boat, obviously. I don't know why Mark gives us that uh, detail. And the other boats were with him. And so a great windstorm Arose. Now, it's interesting that Mark, he, he tells us about this. Uh, storms were super, super normal for this lake, okay? The Sea of Galilee, storms come up all the time. Uh, the Sea of Galilee is actually located 700 feet below sea level, all right? That's like low. It's actually the lowest freshwater lake in the entire world uh, on, the, on the planet. And it's the second lowest lake on the entire planet. The lowest lake is actually the Dead Sea, which happens to also be in Israel, which is just um, mile, uh, you know, miles down the Jordan River from the Sea of Galilee. And so um, this is a, it's a really low basin uh, where, this, where this lake is. And uh, roughly about 30 miles away is Mount Hermon, which is around 9,000 feet high. So uh, within 30 miles or so, there's about a 10,000-foot difference. And because of that, just the geography of the, the situation that's going on there is you got the, uh, the cold air coming down from the mountains, because cold air sinks, and you got the warm air from the basin of the lake that's rising, and when, those, when the, that air mixes, it produces storms. It's very normal for this area. It happens all the time. And Jesus, as they're in this boat together, and he's, again, he's with his disciples as they're going across the lake, um, it's natural for a storm to pop up. And you got to remember, Jesus' disciples, at least like half of them, they're all like fishermen, professional fishermen on this lake. And actually, they're probably in one of their boats. And so this is very natural for them. And they, you know, they're, they're professionals. And so um, they had been on this lake all their life. And they knew about storms. And they knew how to maneuver and how to, how to manage and make this work. Uh, but this storm happens to be getting worse and worse and worse. In fact, Mark, he uses the word great, which is actually in the, in the Greek. It's the word megas, which is where we get mega from. And uh, so here's Mark saying, no, this wasn't just some ordinary storm. The storm was crazy. Right? This was a mega storm, is what he's saying. And it just arose, like out of nowhere. It was nuts. And it says, and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. And so I want you guys to be able to picture this in your mind. Here's Jesus, they're cruising across this lake. All of a sudden, this big storm comes up. They're in a boat. Not a great place to be when a storm comes. Boat's not the best place. And waves are coming up over the sides of the boat. And as more and more water comes into the boat, the boat sinks lower and lower and lower. Um, one time I was, so I, I, I own a boat. I got a boat. My, my grandpa had this like super old boat from like the 50s. It was a, it's an old aluminum boat. And uh, when I was 
right out of college, he gave me that boat, which was basically just a shell of a boat, and I like worked my butt off for a year fixing it up, and my plan was to propose to Kate on that boat in Chicago Harbor, all right, all dreamy and nice, and it was going to be perfect. And so I did that, and I, I, worked, I worked on it for a year, got it all set, ready to go. And my plan was, I was like, hey, if I have a boat, then I'm going to be like, like we're going to be boat people, you know? It's going to be awesome. We'll go out to the lake, Lake Erie. We'll be spending our weekends on the boat. It's going to be a good time, which we've only gotten the boat out like four times ever since we've been married. So um, with, uh, but with the proposal, which she said, yes, yeah, so that part worked. Um, so I've used it like five times ever and put a lot of money into it. Just, yeah, just thinking about it. I'm cheap, so that's part of the problem. So anyway, we, uh, why was I telling you that? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I got this boat, and one of my buddies and I, or a few of my friends, one, one of the four times, uh, we took the boat out. And uh, we went to Putin Bay, and I was dropping one of my buddies off. He was, gonna, he was working there for the summer. And we were just having a good time, you know, just hanging out. We swam for a little while in between, and we were just kind of tooling around on the boat. And uh, on the way back, it was just me and another guy. And we're, we're just cruising. We're laughing. We're having a good time. You know, we're just hanging out. And there's another boat that's coming up kind of beside us, kind of close. It's kind of weird. And they're, like, waving to us. And we're like, oh, hey. You know, and then they start shouting stuff at us. We're like, we have no idea what they're saying. But okay, people, like, these people, you know, they've had a little too much to drink. I don't know what's going on with these people. And then eventually they get close enough where we hear what they have to say. And they're like, you're sinking. And we're like, what? And I look around behind us, and like half the back half the boat is like literally is filled with water. And I'm like, oh no, like this is not good. And so I, I'm like, you take the wheel, and I go, and I'm trying to figure it out. And what I forgot was, and I'm sure many people have done this, is I forgot the plug in the back of the boat. So that whole morning, we just had a hole in the boat that was just, you know, bringing the water. And what I realized in that moment was that, hey, you know, it's probably a pretty good idea to keep the water out of the boat, you know? It, yeah, it's not good. It's important. But here in this boat, it's getting filled with water, just like that. And, uh, and it is filling up with water fast, and these guys are in real trouble. They don't have a pump. They're just going to pump this out. They are in real trouble. And my guess, I don't know this for sure, I don't know. My guess is that this is part of Jesus' plan, right? Because he's their leader. Right? Actually, Matthew he also tells us this story, and, uh, and he's, we know for a fact that Matthew was there, and he gives us a few different details we see in Matthew chapter 8. It says, as Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. So Jesus is the one that is leading these people. He's, I mean, the disciples, I mean, he's literally, if you think about it, Jesus is the one that leads them into the storm, and all the disciples did was innocently, innocently follow him. Right? Must have been part of the plan. Question, have you ever felt like you are following Jesus? You feel like you're doing everything the right way. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do it God's way. Or you, you know, you're trying to live your life the way that God has told you to live. And you feel like he has kind of led you into a bad circumstances in your life. I mean, have you ever felt like he's led you into a storm? We're just like, hey, hello. <laughs> I'm doing it right here, I'm following you, and we hit this roadblock, or, and I got to deal with this. Have you ever felt that way? Or it's just like, what is going on here? Um, it's important to remember, by the way, that Jesus promises us, he already tells us that pain is always part of the plan. 
unfortunately for us, because it would have been way easier if it was like, hey, no pain, everything's going to be perfect once you become a Christian. Like, that would have been awesome. But it's not part of his plan. He doesn't owe us comfortable lives. In fact, right after this, just a couple chapters later, you know what he tells his disciples? He gathers them all together, and he tells them, he says, hey, this is what's going to happen to you, all right? So just know this is part of the plan. Um, don't think I've, you know, I've abandoned you or anything. But guess what, guys? You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be hated. You're going to be arrested. Some of you guys are going to be flogged. Some of you guys are going to be beaten. You guys are going to be betrayed. Some of you guys are even going to be killed, right? That's not like pleasant stuff. It's not stuff that I look forward to necessarily. In fact, Jesus, another time he says, hey, in this life you will have trouble. And so here's an example of the disciples. They have a, I mean, they're in trouble. Right? Like, they're in trouble. In fact, it looks like from the story or from our point of view that, yeah, Jesus, because he's in the boat too, right, that Jesus is also in trouble. It's interesting what Jesus is doing through all this. Back to Mark. It says, Jesus <coughs> was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. By the way, ladies, when your husband goes home uh, this afternoon and he takes his Sunday afternoon nap on the couch, he's just trying to be like Jesus, okay? Because that's what Jesus was doing. He was sleeping on the cushion, and he was, he was sleeping. Uh, part of me actually wonders if, uh, if Jesus is doing that thing that we've all, all parents have, have done. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you're on your phone, you're scrolling through whatever you're scrolling through, and then your kids walk in, and you're like, you know, because you don't want to get out of bed yet. You're not ready to get up yet, and you're just like, oh, yeah, I'm asleep, you know? Um, part of me wonders if maybe Jesus is doing that, right? Like, uh, like maybe it just looked like, he was asleep. Uh, and, you know, maybe he's pretending to be asleep where he's just kind of listening to them, seeing what they're saying, seeing what's going on, how are they going to react. Or maybe it's just been such a long day that he's just, like, crashed, you know. Uh, we've had long days before, you know what I'm talking about, where it's been a long day at work and you just, like, you know, dive into the bed and you are you just fall instantly asleep. Maybe that's what's going on with Jesus, too. Maybe he's just exhausted. I don't know for a fact, but I like to think that maybe he's listening in, but maybe he wasn't. Um, it says, so he's sleeping on the cushion, and they're in this huge storm, and so what do they do? Well, they wake him up, and they said to him, hey, you going to help us bail here? No, that's not what they say. They say, hey, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? Don't you even care? And so these guys are freaked out, and these guys are afraid. And these guys are overcome with Jesus, and they wake him up, and they ask him, do you even care? Have you ever prayed prayers like that? Have you ever prayed that before? I mean, I know I have. We're just like, hey, um, I don't like this in my life. I don't like what's going on here. I don't know how to fix this. God, do you even care? You know what I'm talking about? Like when some storm or something enters your life, and you just kind of get to the end of the rope, and you're just like, God, don't you care about me? Don't you care about this situation? And then usually, you know what we do? We go on and we inform God about our circumstances as if he doesn't know. Like, hey, God, you must not understand what's going on here because, you know, maybe you're looking and you're dealing with somebody else. But, oh, look at me for a second real quick. Um, hey, God, you know, don't you seem to realize or you just don't seem to realize that otherwise you would have done something by now that I got this thing in my life where I'm going through this like, I'm about to lose my job, and I tried my hardest, and I thought this one was going to work out, but it's just not working out. Don't you even care? 
or I'm starting school and, and you know, classes are hard and I, I got practice I got to go to and my roommate's driving me crazy and, and I miss home and I kind of miss my parents even just a little, but I really miss my friends at home. You know, it's that type of thing. God, this wasn't supposed to be what college was like. Do you even care? Or God, I'm a, man, I don't know, it looks like we're about to get a divorce. And, and she promised me on her wedding day that this was going to be forever. And now she's not keeping this promise. Or, and I've tried, I've tried my hardest. Maybe not my hardest, hardest, but, but I've tried. All right, God, what's the, you know, it, do you even care that this is going on in my life? Or God, I have this health issue and I got cancer. I got this or that. And, and I feel like I've done everything right. Like I've taken care of my body. I've ate right. And I've, I've been, work, you know, I've worked out and I did everything right. I didn't do drugs. I didn't, I wasn't a heavy drinker or anything like that. And now I got to deal with this. Like it just doesn't seem fair. Do you even care? Like God, that's why I'm afraid. That's why I'm struggling. That's why I'm questioning. That's why I'm asking, do you care? And then, you know what we do? We usually, we inform God, of our, after we inform God of our situation or of our circumstance, usually that's when we tell him how to fix it, <laughs> you know? That's what we do. We're like, hey, God, uh, hey, um, okay, so I got this thing. Uh, pay attention. Are you paying attention? Okay, okay, now you're paying attention. I already have the answer worked out for you. I already know what you need to do, all right? You just need to do this. You just need to heal me. You just need to take care of my roommate problem. All right, you just need to do this, and then it'll all be taken care of. Thanks, God. Appreciate it. All right, awesome. All right, and it's like we've just kind of hit our limit. See, at this place in the, in, with the disciples, where they're at, they hit their limit. All right, they're at the end of the rope. They don't know what to do. They go and wake Jesus up. In the next verse, it says, he got up. And he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea. Part of me, by the way, wonders if when he says this, if he is looking at the disciples, because they woke him up, right? It's been a long day. You know how this is. Total mom move here. And he looks at the disciples, and he's like, silence, you know? He says, silence, be still, as he's pointing at the, at the clouds or the sky or whatever, but he's locked in. You know what I'm talking about? Moms, you know what I'm talking about. She's like, shut up. Look at you now. He just says, silence, be still. Total mom move. And the wind ceased. It's done. It's over. It's, there's no wind at all. And there was a great calm. Here we got the same word again. It's the mega. So first, Mark's like, hey, it was like a mega storm. Okay, it was huge. It was crazy. It wasn't just some ordinary storm. The boat is getting ready to sink. These professional fishermen are convinced that they are going to die. And then instantly, God, Jesus is just like, hey, stop it. And then it all is just a sea of glass. I mean, the lake just turns to glass. It was a mega calm after that, calmer than what you could even imagine. I mean, you, you guys, we've all experienced where we've been on a lake or something before, maybe it's early morning or whatever, and uh, it's just like glass. You know, you can see the reflection of the sky in the lake. That's what it is instantly. Mega calm is what he says. And, and, and they're just like, you know, what is going on here. They don't know what to do. And so Jesus says to him, he says, why are you afraid? Why do you fear? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now look what he does here, okay? This is the most important part. So you've been kind of dozing off a little bit. I get it. I understand that. I've been there. Come back in for just this one part, okay? Then you could go off to thinking about your lunch or whatever it might be again, 
right? He says, why are you afraid? This word afraid, right, it's a word for cowardly. That's what it, that's what it means. He said, why are you guys such cowards? He's like, look around the boat, boys. You got God with you. Like, I'm here. The God of the universe is here sitting in the boat with you. Like, I'm here. And what he does here is so, so, so important. What he does is he, he's saying, hey, fear of our circumstances are natural for us. And we get it. The world is full of it. But what he does here is he's saying Jesus equates our fear of circumstances with lack of faith in him. You get that? What he's doing is he's comparing, he's saying, hey, when you fear your circumstances, what you're actually doing is it's showing your lack of faith in me. See, it's so natural for us to have fear, but as Christians, we are to live differently. We're supposed to be different. And our fears of circumstances, I mean, it's just not supposed to affect us. Why? Because like the disciples, we have him. Now, some of you guys are thinking, because this is what I was thinking. I was like, man, if I had Jesus in my boat, <laughs> that'd be a different story, you know? Like, if Jesus was sitting right next to me all the time, like, like he was with the disciples, even if he's sleeping, I'll take a sleeping Jesus right next to me. Like, just having him here, you know, that really would make me feel a lot better. It'd be easy to not be afraid. But in reality, Jesus promises to always be with us. In fact, Jesus' very, very, very last words before he went up to heaven to his disciples, these same guys, all right, this is what he says in Matthew uh, 28. Matthew records this for us. He says, and remember. So he's just told him, he says, hey, I want you to go out and I want you to tell as many people as you can about what I've done for them, that they can have hope and they can find, they can find that in me. And he says, and remember, I am with you. This is, he's telling this to the church. I'm with you. And then he says, always. Not just sometimes, not just when it feels like I'm with you. He's like, I'm always with you. All right, there's no amount of time that I am not with you. Every second of the day, I'm with you to the end of the age. See, Jesus is like, I am always with you. So when we become a Christian, when we give our life to Jesus, when we make that decision in our life, which not everybody in this room has, and I just want to encourage you, by the way, uh, if you haven't given your life over to Jesus, if you haven't surrendered to him, which is a decision that you got to make in your mind, it just doesn't, like, happen, or I'm a pretty good person. Okay, it's not, it's not how it works, all right? When you surrender your life to him, what the Bible says is that he actually moves into your life. Like he moves inside. He moves in. He lives inside of us, which is awesome to think about. So in reality, we are closer to Jesus than the disciples were because he's in us, because he's a part of our life. That's why fear doesn't own us as Christians. It doesn't own us. And so whenever we worry or whenever we are anxious about something or whenever we fear something, really what that is is this a lack of faith in Jesus that's showing up on the outside. I mean, you dig down to the root. That's what it is. That's what it is. And we start questioning God. And really, there's only two ways we do that. Either we question God's goodness, like, hey, God, well, I don't know about this. Like, why are you allowing this into my life? This doesn't seem good. Or we question God's power. It's like, okay, you know, I, you probably don't want this in my life, but you can't seem to do anything about it. And so it's one of those two things. That's the reason why we struggle with fear. And it's so interesting to see the disciples' reaction when they see this, I mean, miracle or whatever you want to call it. When they see Jesus, just a glimpse of Jesus' power, Right? It says they were terrified. Right? They're filled with fear. And they asked one another, probably under their breath, because Jesus is right there, right? They're probably just like, 
who is this? This dude is crazy. Did you see that? This is nuts. Even the wind and the sea obey him. All right, did you guys just see it? Like, they're like, is this a dream? This just actually happened? I've never seen anything like this. See, their fear shifts from the storm that's going on around them that could take their lives to the guy in the back of the boat. Right? They don't lose fear. It just shifts over. And by the way, notice that Jesus doesn't correct them for this type of fear. He doesn't. He doesn't say, hey, I, did I not tell you to not be afraid? All right, why are you afraid of me now? Why, why are you terrified of me? That, that doesn't, that's not what he says. See, these disciples, you got to remember, these guys, they've seen a lot of stuff. Right? I mean, Jesus is like healing people. He's doing stuff that, that they had never even seen before. And they're just like, whoa, this is crazy. But this freaks them out. Huge storm. Instantly silent. Instantly glass. Where they're just standing there stuck looking at each other. And they're even more freaked out and they're even more scared. But this time, their fear is in a good way. See, there's one type of fear that we as Christians are to have. And that is a fear of God. Now, fear and God, most of us, we don't associate those together, right? That's, that's, I, really, I think that's a cultural thing. Um, we're like, whoa, fear of God, that doesn't seem right. It's like we assume that a God who should be feared is a God who's guilty of something or has some fault out there that we're like, I don't know, that doesn't seem very good. Or um, like fear of God is some leftover relic from some oppressive or archaic view of religion. Like something that's just so like way outdated. Like that doesn't seem right to us. And when we think of Jesus, I mean, we don't think to like fear him. You know, how do, we, how do we think of Jesus, right? We think of him as, like, meek, hugging children, petting lambs, you know, standing looking at the sunset with his long hair billowing, you know, in the wind, dressed in, he has always got to be dressed in white, I think, uh, tender-hearted, you know, that's how we view Jesus. And by the way, he is kind, and he is loving, and he is tender-hearted, but he also is the most powerful being ever. You know, he's, he's, he's got power, and he's got strength, and he's got justice, and that should give us a sense of fear towards him. In fact, what I would argue is that we can't have a strong relationship with him unless we have a certain amount of fear of him. It's just how it is. But we don't like to think of being afraid of God. I remember, remember a few weeks ago I was telling you guys, about when I was like tucking my kids in or putting them to bed. Um, and uh, they were like, let's pray. And I'm like, oh, that's probably a good idea. I'm a pastor, <laughs> so let's do that. And I uh, should be doing that automatically. And so they're like praying. And remember I was telling you how they were praying? Where they're just like, dear God, <sighs> thank you for my snack. You know, it's just stuff like that. And I'm just like, whoa. There's like part of me that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I, was, and I had to tell them. And I was like, hey, guys, you guys, hey, let, let me interrupt your prayer, if that's what this is, real quick. Um, hey, you guys got to kind of be serious when you talk to God, because, and then I was trying to figure out how to explain it to a six-year-old, or yeah, six-year-old and a four-year-old, and I was just like, because he could like kill you, you know? Like, that's how serious it is if he, if he wanted to. Remember when I was telling you guys that? Okay. Well, since then, I've had a bunch of people <laughs> coming up to me, talking, telling me about that. And they're, you know, usually it's, it goes like this. It was, um, it's, hey, you know, that, uh, that was pretty funny, just how, what kids are, like, praying about. And then they're always like, and I was straight up, I was like, I don't know if I should have said that or not. But, but then they're always like, yeah, and you probably shouldn't have said that kill part, you know, like, he could kill you. And at first I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. I don't know. I was just trying to get them to understand, and I don't know what I'm talking about, you know. Um, but then the more that I think about that, the more I'm like, man, eh, actually, I think it's good 
that they think about that once in a while. Because a fear of God is actually healthy for us. Right? It, it just is. Like, it's just, that's just true. And so it's good for us. See, it's exactly the opposite of what our culture tells us, right? Like, our culture, uh, most people in our culture, we fear our circumstances and we don't fear God. But as Christians, it's the opposite. It's no, no, no. We fear God and not our circumstances. You see how culture and the people around us and the world around us has it just completely opposite? It's just completely messed up? See, we are constantly told, hey, you need to be afraid of this. Hey, watch out for that. Be afraid of that. Be afraid of that. Be afraid of that. Just all these things in our life. But God said we don't have to. Actually, we shouldn't. It's not supposed to be in our life. And there's a great example, actually, within our own church. This is Brittany Sherman. Sherman, and I accepted Christ at a young age. I met my husband here through church, and he proposed during the Christmas program in 2007, and we were married here at Grace in 2009. We have five children, three of which are with the Lord, and two girls that we are raising to follow God. In January of 2022, I noticed that I had a lump on my throat, and it started to grow in size and become painful, so I decided to get it checked out. I went to countless doctor's appointments and had blood work done and lots of tests uh, just to find out that I had thyroid cancer. I really struggled with the possibility that I could end up dying and leaving my husband and my kids behind and just leaving them with that burden of what would happen if I was gone. A dear friend called me and told me, Brittany, what do you have to fear? If you live, it's for God's glory. And if you die, then you get to be in heaven with God forever. So it's a win-win situation. Surgery was scheduled the following week after I found out that I had cancer. And um, I was really thankful for the team of doctors that I had and the wisdom that God gave them and being able to treat my, my cancer. Uh, I woke up later on after surgery and realized that my cancer was a little more aggressive and a rare form than they had anticipated, that it had spread to my larynx and my windpipe. Uh, a lymph node as well was taken out and that I still had some microscopic cancerous forms left and had to get that treated. When I first found out that I had cancer, I wondered why God would have chosen me to get cancer. And I started seeing it not so much as a curse, but as a gift that he had given me. And that became more prominent when I saw it impacting not only my life, but the lives of those around me. And I had people coming up and saying that they were impacted by it, they were really struggling um, with it themselves, and through that they had started coming to God and talking to Him, reading scripture, and that it strengthened their faith. Suffering exists uh, to bring us closer to God. I can attest to that because I came to know God in a more intimate way. My faith was deepened and I could feel Him there walking through that time with me. Genesis 50:20 says, but God meant it for good. 
something so terrible like cancer can actually be meant for good. I know that God's healing isn't meant for everybody and that some people, the side of heaven, will not be healed from cancer. If you're going through something like this right now, know that you can be a blessing by being open and honest in your weaknesses and allowing God to use that for his glory. I count everything as loss for the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus is my Lord. Because for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so it's just a reminder that uh, pain is part of the plan, right? Jesus has promised us that. And so we just got to remember that for those of us who are Christians in this room, that when we are going through the storm, whatever that might be, don't just remember that God is love, which he is, but remember who God is an all-powerful king of the, of the universe. And when we think of God that way, and when we have a healthy dose of fear of him, I mean, it changes the way we live. It changes how we think. It changes the way we act. It changes what we do. It's, I lost my job. Hey, I'm going to be all right. Or, hey, I'm, I'm sick. I got this medical issue going on in my life, but I know God's in control. So what do I got to care? What do I got to worry about? And so real quick, What's the thing that you fear the most? I'm not talking about snakes and spiders. <laughs> I'm talking about the real deals, the real things. What do you fear the most? And if you're sitting there and you're like, man, I don't really fear anything. Life's pretty good. No, dig down below the surface a little bit. You'll find some things. All right, you got that thing that you're worried about, the thing that you spend time being worried about, or the thing that you're, you, you have anxiety about? Right, losing a child, financial issues, maybe it's losing another child. Maybe it's your marriage falling apart or you have some health problem in your life or maybe it's somebody that you love and you fear losing them or you fear what they're going to go through. Whatever that is, Jesus is telling you here this morning, again, fear not. Right? He tells us over and over and over and over again, do not be afraid of that. Do not be afraid of your circumstances because God is the only thing worthy enough of our fear. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these words. And this is stuff that we got to hear. I mean, this is stuff that we don't think about much. And, and for a lot of us in this room, I mean, fear just controls our life. It changes the way we act. It changes how we live. I mean, it just, it just controls us. It eats up our time. But God, we're not meant to live like that. Not as Christians. Right, because we have you, because you have our back, because you are always with us. And God, help us to remember that. I think that's the reason why you tell us over and over and over again, so many times throughout the Bible that we don't have to fear, that we don't have to be afraid. God, help us to remember that and help us to rest in you. Help us not to worry. Help us not to have that anxiety and be anxious about those things. Help us not to be afraid. God, we thank you for giving us these words, and we thank you for that promise that you gave to us, that you'd be with us until the end of the age, always. We thank you for that, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.